Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service today begins in the bulletin. Let's open our service with hymn number 559, Lord of the Living Harvest. Lord of the Living Harvest, that ripens o'er the plain, where angels soon will gather their sheaves of golden grain. Accept our hands to labor, our hearts to trust and love, and be with us to hasten your kingdom from above. As laborers in your vineyard, Lord, give us work to do, content to bear the burden of weary days for you, to ask no other wages when you will call us home, than to have shared the labor that makes your kingdom come. Be with us, God the Father, be with us, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, most blessed three in one. Make us your faithful servants, you rightly to adore, and fill us with your blessing, both now and evermore. We worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful. I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. I now ask you before God who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying yes. Upon this, your confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Testament reading for this 18th Sunday after Pentecost is from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 to 9. In this section, Isaiah is speaking to the people and, and he's reminding us, them that God's plan to save sinners, it is so above us, something we really can't comprehend. Isaiah said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Alleluia. Our Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. reading is from Philippians chapter 1 verses 18b to 27. The Apostle Paul is in prison as he's writing this and he speaks about his desire for his for heaven but then also his desire to continue working for the Lord. Paul said, yes and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am going to live, if I am going, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. And we'll continue now with our next hymn, hymn number 397, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood 
was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. 
When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow recipients of God's grace, most or maybe many of you know that I like to go for a run to get some exercise, you know, to work over things in my head, and oh, to be able to eat that second piece of dessert, and, well, also, like I said, to talk with God and try to have some fun. To do that, what I regularly will do is run about five miles six days a week. When I was in Mobile, Alabama, that time I used to run in quite a few races, but I never was fast enough to even be considered as someone who could win a single one of the races. For me and many of the people who ran in those races, the victory was really just finishing the race and maybe perhaps being able to run a little bit faster in one race than you did in the previous one. It's kind of interesting that on most of the race registration forms that I, that I filled out, that those race forms had a statement like this. If you see a fellow runner who appears to be in trouble, stop and help if you can. That encouragement, it, it, it just seems so strange to stop and help someone, seems totally contrary to the premise of running a race in the first place. Helping someone else, stopping and helping someone else will probably result in, well, if I'd stopped and helped someone, it'd result in a poorer race time for me. And stopping to help that other person, maybe what it could even mean is that that other person might end up beating me in the race. 
Again, like I said, it seems so contrary to the whole idea of running a race and trying to win the race. Well, likewise, what our parable for today presents to us is, well, Jesus is telling us something that seems totally contrary to our human understanding, our human reasoning. Instead of being concerned about what we may think we deserve, hear what Jesus is getting us to think about. He's encouraging us to think about others so that they don't miss out on God's blessings. So Jesus is saying to us today, help those who are last to be first. Help those who are last to be first. As I said before, just finishing a race for me was such a great victory, really. And in our spiritual lives, just finishing the race, just finishing the spiritual race of this life, believing in God, ending up in heaven, well, that's really winning. So let's do all we can to help those who are last to be first. In the parable, what Jesus does is he tells us what God wants us to do and then what God wants to give to us. In our reading, well, just before our reading, there was this rich young man that came to Jesus, often referred to this man. He came to Jesus and asked, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And that rich young man, what really he had as his problem is he mistakenly felt that if he kept God's law well enough, that he could earn his way to heaven. He may have, when he asked Jesus this question, he may have wanted Jesus to pat him on the back, basically, and say, oh, just keep on doing what you're doing right now. You're doing such a fine job. Or maybe he wanted Jesus to say, ah, if you do this, if you add this to your current regime, then you'll be okay. Instead, what Jesus did, though, is Jesus showed him that he wasn't perfect and that he was incapable of earning his way to heaven. Well, Jesus showed him he wasn't perfect by getting him to realize that he loved his possessions more than he loved God. When Peter heard Jesus talking to this rich young man, when Peter saw this, he was looking at this and evaluating the situation, and he, he saw that rich young man as somebody who probably was a model citizen. And now Jesus just said to him that he wasn't able to earn heaven. And so Peter said to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Since the rich young man wasn't worthy of a reward from God, Peter, looking at himself, wondered if he and the other disciples, if they also were unworthy 
He might have looked at the rich young man and said, boy, he's, he's a finer man than we are. He may have made that confession. And then he's thinking, well, if he can't, what about us? What about us? Well, Jesus did speak to him, and he did say to Peter that there would be rewards for the disciples, but that those rewards, they were actually rewards of God's grace, not earned rewards for Peter and the others. That's totally contrary to our normal human way of thinking. But remember what our Old Testament reading had said. Our Lord said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Jesus then told the disciples the parable of the workers in the vineyard after this conversation with Peter. And in that parable, what Jesus did is he explained how God's thinking and actions produce results that are disappointing to anyone who is stuck in a purely human mindset. But those results are extremely, extremely gratifying, overwhelmingly gratifying to anyone who simply receives God's grace. In the parable here, there was a worker, a, a, a vineyard landowner, who went out at dawn to find workers to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which was a decent wage for a common laborer back in those days. Well, he went out at dawn, that's 6 a.m., and then he went out again at 9 a.m., at 12 noon, and at 3 p.m. And then finally, he also went out at 5 p.m. to find more men who didn't have any work, and he hired them also to work in his vineyard. He said that he would pay even those last ones whatever was right. He didn't specify an amount. And then at 6 p.m., their workday was over, and he sent his foreman out to call the workers in and to pay them. In the parable, of course, the landowner is God. And the workers are those who, to whom God reaches out with the gospel to call them to faith in Jesus. The hiring at different hours well, that just reminds us that some people are called to faith earlier in their lives and some later and some very late in the course of their lives. But we want, what we want to learn here is that no matter when the Lord would call us to be his believing children, from then on in what God wants of us is that we would be his faithful workers as Paul told the Corinthian Christians, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Instead of selfishly serving me, myself, and I, as, as my sinful nature, my sinful pride always is trying to motivate me to do, what we'll instead want to do is consider, consider what we can do to serve God and 
the spreading of his kingdom, the spreading of the gospel message. Uh, a question, though, that we could ask ourselves from this time on, from the time when we're called to faith is, am I the kind of servant, the kind of worker in God's vineyard that God would want to keep working in his employ? Am I that kind of worker? And Well, thankfully, what we can say is, yes, I am that kind of worker, but it's not because we are such good workers, but because of God's grace. And that's always the key, because of God's grace. Because of God and what he does for us, what he gives to us. However, what we'll always want to keep on doing is looking to God, looking to God for his help to be his faithful servants and to always do a better job of serving our God. A picture by a Dutch artist pictures a kitchen scene with an angel handling pots and pans and, and doing whatever work needed to be done in that situation. And when you look at that picture, it's not really hard to understand what the artist was trying to say with the picture. Namely, he was saying that our Christian calling, it may be fulfilled with the most common surroundings, the most common tasks, whatever our lot may be in life, wherever we may be, if the right spirit possesses us, if we're acting on our faith in Jesus, then our service will be in the sight of God like that of the angels who in doing his will, do God's will well. Our Savior gives us this encouragement, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus continues the parable. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour, about 5 p.m., they came and each received a denarius. So when those who came, who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received their denarius, they began to grumble against the landowner. Even though an intelligent landowner couldn't possibly operate like the landowner did in this parable, our all-wise, gracious, and loving God can and does act in this manner. But the question you kind of have to ask here is, what is the denarius? What is symbolized by the denarius that was given to the workers in the vineyard? If we were supposed to understand it as meaning salvation, well, that would mean that those grumblers there are genuine disciples of Jesus and heirs of eternal life. And 
really, if you think about it, can we imagine a disciple of Jesus grumbling? Because, for example, the thief on the cross received a place in heaven along with, oh, a, a lifelong, hard-working church member? Christian, by definition, is someone whose heart has been changed by the working of the Holy Spirit. He's been changed to accept and to rejoice in God's way of dealing with sinful human beings and is therefore delighted whenever anyone, by the grace of God, would believe in Jesus as the Savior when anyone would believe in God's promise of eternal life, no matter how late or early in life that may be. Here is precisely the point of the parable in front of us that the parable addresses. Are our hearts in tune with God's working, with God's way of thinking? Do we expect to receive wages from God for living right, for our efforts to serve God? Or are we looking to be recipients of God's grace? Rather than, rather than presenting a specific, representing a, a specific blessing, therefore, such as everlasting life in heaven or the benefit of church membership, this denarius, therefore, simply represents whatever a person expects to receive from God, whether that be the results of his own efforts or the results of Christ's efforts on our behalf. Peter's question then, what then will there be for us, reveals that he was tempted to think of the blessings he thought that he had earned from God. And our sinful nature causes us to have inclinations just like Peter's. If we were asked why God should let us into heaven, we could be tempted to say something like, well, God should let me into heaven because I go to church regularly, I read my Bible, I pray. I try to help out other people and not hurt or harm them. I try to be a good family member and, and so on. But what do we actually want to receive from God? The results of our efforts or the results of Jesus' efforts in our behalf? In the parable here, the landowner, he told the laborer who wanted to be paid for his efforts, take your pay and go. If we were to tell our Savior to reward us according to our own efforts, do you realize that Jesus would have to say to us, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels? That's what Jesus would have to say to us. Let's be so thankful that what God wants to do is he wants to give us rewards of his grace, 
not rewards of our sin-contaminated efforts. Well, Jesus said, so the last will be first and the first will be last. The first who will be last are those who proudly think that they deserve God's blessings. They think that they're in that first position. The last who will be first are those who humbly confess their own sinfulness and their need for God's help. People who would stand before God and would join the tax collector in saying, God have mercy on me, a sinner. To such people, what God wants to do is give not an earned reward, but a reward of his grace and mercy, something we don't deserve. May God help us always to be numbered among those, that kind of people who also want to help others who are currently last. In other words, they see their sinfulness, their need for help. May we always be among those who want to help those who are currently last so that they can receive the blessings of God. In one race in which I ran years ago, I remember seeing a man who was leading a blind man throughout the course of the race. And well, on his own, that blind man could never have run the race. He could never have done that. But with his friend's help, he did run the race. He did cross the finish line. In God's grace, his spiritual grace, well, what we can say is that through faith, we have our spiritual eyesight. We can see Jesus as our Savior and as our way to eternal life. And God's word, what it's doing is it's guiding us through this life, through the race of our earthly lives to our eternal home. As God is helping us to run the race, let's always keep an eye out for those who are spiritually blind or spiritually weak or those who don't really know about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. Let's look for those people and then like, let's be like that blind man's friend. Let's guide that person in the direction of our Savior and his word. Let's help those who are last to be first. Let the Holy Spirit work through us to reach those people. And let's never stop thanking our God for giving us not what we deserve, but for giving us his grace, giving us his grace and mercy and love, for giving us what Christ has won for us with his sinless life, giving us his righteousness to claim as our own, giving us what he won for us with his innocent suffering and death, his, his shed blood that washes away our sins, and forgiving us his victorious resurrection from the dead, which assures us, which guarantees us, believers, that 
through faith in him, we're going to also rise from the dead and live forever. Through faith in Christ. Just think how blessed we are because we're not getting what we deserve. We're getting what Christ has won for us. We are so blessed. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you have called us to work in your vineyard and want no one to stand idle in the marketplace. Set us our tasks in the work of your kingdom and help us to know your gracious reward for our labors. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In our prayers, we keep thinking about all of those who are dealing with different trials and troubles, especially keep on thinking about Stan Krosick dealing with some issues and now, well, infection, other things that has him over at the Holt Rehab Center, Senior Center and Rehab Center. We also think about Paula Burris continuing to deal with leg issues, circuit, blood circulation. Think of all of the people on our prayer list and we pray, Lord God, our Heavenly Father, if it's according to your will, grant those who are troubled in our church family and beyond, grant, grant healing, but grant also and especially your grace and mercy and love. Help us always to see our weakness, our need for your help, and the wonderful help that you give to us. Help us also to look for that reward of your grace and mercy. We know we can't earn anything from you, 
but we trust in your grace and your mercy and your love. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Again, I thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements. Today is Mary Glassbrook's birthday, Wednesday, Rose Doty. Dan and Lynn Morris have an anniversary on Thursday. Friday, Greg and Brenda Parisian have an anniversary. Saturday is Angela Holland's birthday. Mentioned Stan Krasik and Paula Burris for your prayers. Prayer list is in the bulletin. If you need access to that, let me know, although I probably have sent you an email with links and information for that. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always. Amen.